grace and peace to you on this May 20th, Wednesday. Going to take a bit of a break from a focus on the struggle that comes with our restrictions and battle with COVID-19. As recently, a truly remarkable apologist, Ravi Zacharias, joined the church triumphant. Ravi was a great apologist, that is not somebody that apologizes for, but makes a defense of the faith, of the Christian faith. I embrace and celebrate a different expression of the Christian faith than Ravi did, but his story is amazing. I've included a link to a short blog from Logos Talk that does a nice memoriam. I love this quote and response Ravi would often make to those who struggle with God being good and yet there being so much evil and pain in the world. Here's Ravi's astute response. When you say there's too much evil in the world to believe in God or for God to be good, you assume there is a good. When you assume there's a good, you assume there's such a thing as a moral law on the basis of which to differentiate between good and evil. But if you assume a moral law, you must posit a moral lawgiver. But that's who you're trying to disprove and not prove. Because if there's no moral lawgiver, then there's no moral law. If there's no moral law, there is no good. If there's no good, there's no evil. So what was your question? Maybe that quote is helpful with our current COVID-19 struggle. You decide. Now, Ravi grew up in India and became a Christian amidst the dominant Hindu and Muslim religions. Yet Christ came to him and he embraced the gospel that Jesus is the self-revelation of God and not simply a self or a revelation of God. You know, we are all on a journey of faith. It is such good news to me that God in Christ pursues us and accompanies us, even while we are struggling to believe and keep the faith. Since we're talking about apologetics, let's listen to C.S. Lewis, perhaps last century's greatest Christian apologist, who describes part of his journey. It might surprise you. Sometime in the spring of 1929, Lewis came to believe in God, though at that time not yet in Christ. Lewis says, Now you must picture me alone in that room and Magdalene, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him of whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. I did not then see what is now the most shining and obvious thing, the divine humility which will accept a convert even on such terms. The prodigal son at least walked home on his own feet, but who can duly adore 
that love which will open the high gates to a prodigal who is brought in kicking, struggling, resentful, and darting his eyes in every direction for a chance to escape. The words compel, compel them to come in, have been so abused by wicked people that we shudder at them, but properly understood. They plumb the depth of the divine mercy. The hardness of God is kinder than the softest of softness of people. And God's compulsion is our liberation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever you are today, Jesus called followers who were little in faith. Keep going. God won't ever give up on you. He won't ever give up on any of us. And may you know his grace in Christ today. Amen.